Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Other Identity. I, of course, am your host, Robbie Landis, the great Landis, and along with me, as always, Ben Morris, a.k.a. Professor Awesome. Ben, how's it going, It's good to hear from you, Robbie. Of course, we are in the midst of uh, kind of a post-apocalyptic landscape, uh, (laughs) much like... Yeah, what what could easily be the start of... uh, uh, Planet of the Apes is actually the favorite one that I've seen so far. Have you seen the video? Of, I believe it's in uh, Thailand. I want to say there's no there's no like uh, uh, tourists or anything who normally feed the monkeys. So there's just this this swarm of like 200 monkeys fighting over a banana. And that's that's where we're headed. That's what the uh, UNLV yeah. campus is going to look like in about two weeks. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's crazy out here. Uh, just everything that's happening. What a what a bizarre for those of us who sit around talking about comic books it's this is a comic book come to life this is everything uh we're getting yeah we're there. getting there this is this is like why the last man although hopefully neither of us will be the last man <laughs> but yes for th- sure so if you uh, are out there and affected in some way please be safe please wash your hands please make sure you drink lots of water all that type of stuff uh so today's episode uh we're actually going to start off talking about some of the stuff that we've been reading we haven't done that in a minute and uh, i've actually been trying out a bunch of new stuff. I, I actually think that I'm just about over sort of the, you know, the sort of like issue I had, uh, issue, uh, uh, where I felt like I needed to make sure that I'm reading everything in order and I don't want to miss out on anything. And you're like, you know what, just just find what interests you and just dive into something. I'm slowly working towards being more okay with that. But, but before we get into what I'm doing, I'd like to know, Ben, what has been capturing your attention recently? Well, first and foremost, can I say something? Well, of course. This is half your podcast. I'm proud of you. <laughs> We're so, getting there. We're I'm, getting there. I'm proud of you. But always for, backslide. So I'm proud of you for putting yourself out there, for taking chances, and for uh, for experiencing comics the way I think they should be experienced. So good on you for that. Keep doing it. We will keep guiding you by the hand. As far as what I'm listening, uh, what I'm listening to, as far as what I've yeah, been can reading we get lately, comics on tape. Is yeah, that yeah. Yet? I just, I just have my favorite writers and artists uh, record tapes for me and send <laughs> them to me. Now, what I've been reading lately is a bunch of good stuff. I wanted to highlight though two team books from Marvel. First off, Avengers. Avengers. Uh, just the mainline Avengers title is awesome right now because it's being written by. Probably my favorite current writer in comics. That's Jason Aaron. Genius. Brilliant. Don't have enough superlatives. They just finished up an arc where they were all in space discovering the new star brand. Thor got turned into a brood. Captain America became a space pirate. Uh, Captain Marvel got souped up powers. I'm just giving you the the surface level reading of what this is. Is this the one? Because I feel like I've been following uh, a few things from uh, uh, one of the Avengers lines. I just threw some headlines recently. Is this the one where Tony recently had a run in with with Mephisto? Yes. The last issue before uh, the one that came out this week, I believe 32 came out this week. And I think 31 came out previously was a exercise issue of Tony being lost in time. So he was back in like prehistoric times and being yeah. menaced by Mephisto. It was a bunch of different artists. It was super creepy. It was like reading a horror movie mashed up with a superhero comic. It was a lot of fun. Dude, Jason Aaron's just doing the coolest stuff and he's got great artists working with him. The primary artist on Avengers is Ed McGuinness and when Ed McGuinness can't be there, uh, they always get someone really memorable and great to fill in. It's an awesome effort. 
all around, and I encourage people to check out. And Blade's on the team. Blade and Ghost Rider are on the team, on the Avengers. Oh, nice. Right? That's crazy. It's a really fun team. It's a really fun grouping of characters. Um, speaking of fun groupings of characters, uh, I think New Mutants is, for me, maybe even more so than X-Men itself, and this might be blasphemous to someone like Norris, but uh, right now, New Mutants to me is the cornerstone book of Jonathan Hickman's X-Men Renaissance. Uh, <laughs> X-Men, the title, is hit or miss for me, and I haven't really gotten into some of the other ancillary titles like Marauders and Excalibur and X-Force, but New Mutants, which is also written by Hickman and which is drawn by Rod Rice or Rod Reese, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, Uh, and then they've also got Ed Brisson and some other guys helping out on fill-in issues, but the main storyline by Hickman and Rice is hilarious. Uh, It's just these quirky, weirdo New Mutants characters who I, growing up, I was was an X-Force guy. New Mutants was dead and buried by the time I got to comics. So rediscovering these characters like Cannonball and Sunspot and Magic, who Hickman clearly loves and just nails the voices for, is a lot of fun. And Rice's art is, it's like Bill Sienkiewicz uh, brought forward into the modern day, which he's still killing it. Uh, today, but it's it, it's like a new take on that classic style, and I just I, I can't get enough of it. Oh, well, sounds good. I should probably add Avengers to my reading list, which I feel like has just been growing and growing and growing. Uh, uh, recently started The Magnificent Miss Marvel. Uh, got as caught up on that as uh, Marvel Unlimited would let me uh, get caught up on. Uh, I'm putting I put Jessica Jones on my reading list now as well because I've seen some interesting art out there that you know kind of piqued my curiosity. But where I've been dedicating a lot of my uh, time recently is actually going back a few years and finishing up the uh, the run of Green Lanterns from the DC Rebirth area with uh, Simon Boz and Jessica Cruz. You know I've never. I wouldn't consider myself like a DC fanboy the same way that I do Marvel, but there's something about this run of Green Lanterns and these two characters themselves. And and I, I take back everything that I've that I've said about Hal Jordan being the best Lantern. Jessica Cruz is hands down the best Lantern that there is. Period. And there's something about this series which unfortunately is over. All right, I can live with that. I can live with that. Did you want to say something there, Ben? You tried to jump in. No, I was. No, I was just saying, in response to your uh, Jessica Cruz is better than Hal Jordan, I can live with that. Okay, that's fair, that's fair. Yeah, but I know that there, there's, first of all, I see my girlfriend in Jessica so much, like, I feel like I bring her in every, like, second page, because there's a mannerism or, like, a Katieism that Jessica's doing that I'm like, look, that's you. See your finger gunsing people? You do that. Really awkwardly, just like she does. See how she wants to go home and just cuddle her Pokemon plushies? That's you. Like, this this whole idea of a superhero having this crippling anxiety is so relatable on a level that I've never felt before in a comic. And I think that the the dynamic that has evolved between the two of them, you know, that, that, that they can't be the Green Lantern unless they work together because they have to be able to charge their rings at the same time or they can't redo it. And to see them grow from the first issue to where it eventually ends was just great, and I think the, the only criticism that I have is a that it ended, but b it ended with like this sort of grand overarching, you know, the whole core comes together. But Hal kind of ended up taking the spotlight of it, and in the last few issues, seemed more like a Hal story than it did a Simon and Jessica story, and it just felt like a really lame way to end it when they had been such a powerful duo throughout the whole run themselves and 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 i hope this isn't the end for them i hope that as i start getting caught up on the rest of uh the rebirth era that i see them come back into it 
Which brings me to what I've started now. This is the announcement that I made on Twitter, and I don't know if you got a chance to see it now, but I am starting the hashtag DC Rebirth Era Challenge. Ooh. I'm going to go back through, and I'm going to read the entire DC Rebirth Era. Well, you know what, man? That's super exciting, because uh, if I get quarantined, with coronavirus, <laughs> I have decided that that would be the perfect task for me to undertake, joining you oh. on the DC Rebirth Era Yeah, Challenge. well, so let's look I, into I that, have man. a list that, 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 I, that I had put out on, on Twitter if you need, like, a checklist to go through. Uh, you know, the, the majority of the titles have actually, you know, finished their run. They actually have an, an, an end sort of to them, right? There's only about maybe, I think, a... a maybe 10-ish series that are actually still going, uh, which I'll probably save for last to get caught up on those. But, like, you know, looking at it, I was like, this this might actually be doable. I think I can actually get through this. And then I started with Super Sons because uh, Callie said that it was not good. And I'm like, it can't be that bad. And then on the third page, Damian Wayne pops up and is like, ha, I was your substitute teacher yesterday and you didn't notice because apparently he's a master of disguise and can even play adults. <laughs> I'll have to experience so, it for myself. I don't want to pass a snap yeah. judgment before I read it, but I encourage <laughs> all of our listeners to follow us on Twitter at Ben J Morse at Robbie Landis underscore CP and let's no Robbie underscore Landis CP. I'll get it right one of these weeks. And one I encourage days. you guys to follow us along with the uh, you called it the hashtag DC Rebirth Era Challenge. That's right. Let's do it. And uh, shout out all to right. my friends uh, Greg Phillips and Russell Sellers, who I know were recommending some books for you uh recently yes yes and it was because of their recommendation like there were so many that they were like you have to read these ones they are must reads that i'm like well i might as well just dive in like head first and just 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 go into it and and try and knock all of these out so yes uh big thanks to uh the few friends that ben has oh good shot good um... shot (laughs) well played sir All right, guys, but, you know, speaking of the Green Lanterns, it actually brings up what we're going to talk about in the next segment, and that is the idea of super teams, because there seems to be a distinctive way that DC sort of uh, tackles that and the way that Marvel tackles that, and it's something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while, so stick around. That's coming up next. Hey, what's up? It's James. And Robbie. Hey, and it's Weird Beard. And we're bringing you a brand new radio show called Checkpoint XP. You don't have to be an expert, even though I am. And we're here to give you everything you need to know about the world of video games. Interviews from the biggest professionals and your everyday gamers. We've got you covered at Checkpoint XP. Whether you're a professional player or somebody who hasn't played in a while, we have something for everybody. Hang out with us at Checkpoint XP every single week on your radio. Find out where we're playing in your hometown at our website, CheckpointXP.com. So if you're looking to have some fun and talk about video games, we got the rundowns for things that matter to you. Checkpoint XP. Your home for esports and gaming. Got it that time. Yes. (laughs) Nailed it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to The Other Identity. Uh, Before we jump in here, I want to encourage you once again to make sure that you are following us and engaging with us 
on social media. That's Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter. Ben J. Morris on Twitter and Robbie underscore Landis CP as well. We're always looking for more fans to engage with, to talk to us, to give us your opinions. And, you know, join in, in, in helping me educate Ben on why he's wrong about so many things. You are getting very bold today. I don't know if I'm... I, I remember earlier when I said I was proud of you. Now it's a mix between pride <laughs> and fear. I have to push back a little that's, that's bit, man. Fair. That's fair. Just a little bit. We gotta gotta keep this, uh, you know, fresh and interesting. Keep you on your toes. I appreciate so, it. So, the thing that I wanted to talk about today, and it's something that isn't—it's—it's it's, it's nothing new, but it's something that kind of really just started to bother me as I was reading up on a bunch of the Flash stuff that you had given me for our last uh, show, uh, the Flash Essentials. Which, if you haven't yet, and I'm sure you have if you're listening, but go and listen to it. Recommend it to your friends. But DC tends to have sort of this this way that they go about their universes where each of sort of their main sort of state characters seem to have a family. Now, it's most prevalent with something like the Bat Family, who actually goes by the Bat Family, right? But I feel like you also have it with the Kryptonians. You know, you have Kara, you have uh, Superboy, you have uh, Power Girl. Is Power Girl a Kryptonian? She's a Power she, I think she? I think she's canon being Kryptonian right now. She's Kryptonian, but from another Earth. I don't know. I haven't checked in on Power right. Girl in a little while. Well, you know what? If we continue our DC Rebirth Era challenge, right. I believe that we will. I'm pretty sure that she has a series in there. Good. But, I mean, even The Flash, you know, when, when I read the, the return of Barry Allen uh, in, the, in the Wally West uh, uh, sort of story, you know, he ends up bringing in Jay Garrick and uh, Max Speed and Johnny Quick. And I think at the beginning of, of, of Flash 750, there's a little montage where he talks about two speedsters that you know went back to Japan, I think it was. And you know, it just kind of got me thinking that DC does it a lot. And I don't know that I like it in all cases. You know, like, like with the Flash, I feel like it takes away a little bit of the uniqueness and the majesty of the fastest man alive when there's actually like 15 of them. Well, just to give a little history on this, I think what happened was DC traditionally uh, did a lot of spinoff characters. They had a lot of success with that back in the Silver sure. Age. If you had Superman, they created Supergirl because they wanted a female version. Batman obviously of had course. Robin. Then he got a bunch of other friends. There were two Flashes. There were two Green Lanterns. The idea of legacy and kind of camaraderie has always been a big thing at DC. And I think maybe one of the things that's pushing back on you is that it's a very, it's kind of a dated concept. I feel like Marvel, Marvel didn't go that way. They would create, Spider-Man didn't have a bunch of sidekicks. Captain America didn't even have Bucky in the 60s. They got rid of him. If you had a, a group getting together like the Avengers, it was all sorts of different personalities. And I think yes, yes. as a Marvel fan, that's kind of what you were raised on. The idea that everyone has a well, different power, everyone has a different take, and it's not necessarily here are five speedsters working together. So I can see where yeah. it would chafe a little bit. I'm, I mean, Marvel de- d- did do it a bit differently. I, I think that Spider-Man was actually the one bad example because at this point, especially like into the Spider-Verse, there is kind of a spider family. Right. But in most... But that's a relatively new development. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But in most cases, Marvel was more than happy to happy to pass the mantle off to someone else, right? Sure. But it always right. ended up coming back to whoever that legacy person ended up being, right? I mean, obviously you have She-Hulk, you had Hulkling, uh, uh, Amadeus Cho uh, recently, I think, in the all-new, all-different universe, you know, became the Hulk. But it always ends up coming back to Bruce Banner, you know? It always ends up coming back to Tony Stark as Iron Man. Whereas with DC, and, and it's not even just in the comics either, I think you 
You also see this in the CW with the way that, you know, when they finally brought Supergirl into the CW fold, they gave her this big sort of family in this team of people just like they did in all the other ones. And it works in some cases, right? I have no problem with the Green Lantern Corps, right? They're an intergalactic space force. Of course there's going to be a bunch of them. Uh, even the Bat family I'm fine with because these aren't people with, with you know the same unique powers. They're just, you know, dudes and ladies who are kick-ass and, and want to, you know, fight crime. And the fact that they can't get around as quickly as the Flash or Superman it makes sense in the way that they sort of inhabit different cities, right? But right. I have trouble with, like, The Flash, or, or specifically with Superman, the last son of Krypton, except he's not really because he has all these living relatives still. So I don't know, there, there, there's just something about the way that DC does it that kind of rubs me. I mean, look, I, I know that we have to suspend our disbelief because it's comics, right? But there's sometimes when it's a little bit difficult for me to do if it happens to be a case like Power Girl, where you mentioned she's from another Earth, right? The whole multiple Earth multiverse theory, that's fine, and I can get behind that one. But, you know, when there's five flashes going up against, you know, one evil flash, that, that when it, that's when it kind of starts just be like, I, I feel like, can't you be a little bit more original and, and introduce someone else into the fold? The interesting thing you bring up, Robbie, is with Superman specifically, if you kind of continue some of the reading you've been doing lately with crisis and uh, move into John Byrne's Man of Steel from 1986 or even read Marv Wolfman's essay in the Crisis Collection, one of the big goals of Crisis was to make Superman the sole survivor of Krypton again. Because at that point they said it had gotten exactly what you had said. It had gotten ridiculous. There were Supergirl, Superboy, Super Monkey, Super Dog, Super Everything. And it was getting a little absurd. The whole key of this character is he's supposed to be the last son of Krypton. So one of the big goals of Crisis was to remove all those ancillary characters. Slowly, they crept back in. Which I think is just fandom. Mm -hmm. uh, fans becoming creators and saying, I want things to be like they were when uh, I was a kid. I think that see, happens. I, I, I think that, that might have been uh, a bit of a misstep because I, I, I think that certain characters work. I, I love Kara. You know, Supergirl is great. Mm -hmm. Power Girl is great. Uh, uh, you know, even Superboy. And I'm a big Connor Kent fan. I love Superboy. Both Superboys. Yeah, John yeah, Kent sure. and Connor and, Kent. And I, I don't have a problem concepts. with there being more of the family. Uh, I, I just feel like, the, you know, m make sure that you're doing it right. You know, for example, the uh, Rebirth Era Superman, which I've read a little bit of and can't wait to get back into. But, you know, giving him a son, uh, John, you know, was one of the most interesting things that's been done to Superman in a long mm -hmm. time. You know, and, and I think that we have such great creative minds out there that, you know, going back to the same well of, you know, let's make another flash or, you know, let's go back to the thing. I think that, that, you know, get some of these students are playing together, more you know, video you know, games than ever. And that's and not I a bad thing anymore. With that, Checkpoint you know, XP on campus, you can peek into the world of college esports and gaming. And, and we talk to personalities in the space like Phasix, who retired from the Overwatch League to join the college team, or thought leaders like James O'Hagan of the Academy of Esports, who's leading the charge on blending education and video games. It's not all black holes and floss dances. Games can lead to college scholarships. And we can tell you where on Checkpoint XP. Flash, when I liked the Flash the best for the Wally West era, Wally was the central figure. Your Max Mercury's, your John Quicks, your Jay Garrick's, they were around, and yes, they had similar powers, but they were there as support for Wally, and they offered different perspectives. Jay was older, uh, Kid Flash was younger, That's Jesse fair. Quick came at it from a different perspective. So as long as it's, hey, what does this new creation add to my original creation? I'm okay with it. If you're just saying, 
this is the same guy, but he has red instead of blue. That's not necessarily. I think that's where you're getting. It's it, it feels like carbon copies. So what I want well, is uh, if you're uh, going to go. Another thing too that I think helped to contribute to that was again I started with the CW Flash before I started reading the comics, and after three four seasons of the Flash, where every single season the main villain was another speedster, speedster. it tends to wear you down really quick. Sure, and I think that that's definitely something you want to look at. But again, I think, and you can agree or disagree. It's not so much for me about the powers. If they have the same powers, fine. What is fundamentally different about them that's going to tell a different story? And to your point about using the speedster villains over and over again, how can you tell me different stories? I want to see Barry go up against a speedster one season, then a sorcerer another season, then someone with a cold gun the next season, because if he just keeps facing off against someone who's a dark version of him, you're basically just telling the same story over and over again. Alright, so, uh, coming up next, guys, we're actually going to sit down here, and we're going to rank some of the families. We're going to decide which ones are good, which ones do we want to keep, which ones would we like to read about, and which ones should we maybe, I don't know, uh, 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 kick on out, right? There's some family members that you'd rather not hang around with or not get a phone call from. We're going to de- decide definitively who those families are coming up next. Students are playing more video games than ever, and that's not a bad thing anymore. With Checkpoint XP on campus, you can peek into the world of college, esports, and gaming. We talk to personalities in the space like Phasix, who retired from the Overwatch League to join a college team. Or thought leaders like James O'Hagan of the Academy of Esports, who's leading the charge on blending education and video games. It's not all black holes and floss dances. Games can lead to college scholarships, and we can tell you where on Checkpoint XP on campus. Thanks for listening, everyone, to The Other Identity for finding the podcast here. If you haven't, make sure that you visit CheckpointXP.com. We have a lot of great content going out there, not just comic content, but video games and esports. Uh, I do a bunch of other shows, including The Owl's Nest, if you happen to be into Overwatch, or look for the Checkpoint XP national radio show. We got a whole new spin on it. It's a lot more casual, a lot more accessible for uh, even some of you fans out there who maybe aren't big into gaming, That's me. but would like to learn. That's me. But here on The Other Identity, it's all things heroes all the time, and we're talking a little bit about sort of super teams and the family concept, which definitely seems to be a lot more relevant in the DC side of things than in the Marvel side of things. So I wanted to, to sit here and, and I wanted to rank the families. And I don't know if we should do like a combined ranking or if we should sort of give our individual rankings. What do you think, Ben? Why don't we give our individual rankings and see if they overlap? Because I think that would be interesting. Why don't, we, why don't we both go with top three? Okay, top three families? Sure. Why don't we go ahead and start with you then, Ben? Who are your top three DC or Marvel, if you think if you think that there's something from Marvel that constitute as a family in the same way that we have like the Bat family and whatnot, by all means, go ahead and include them. Who are your top three? Sure. Well, I am going to start with DC, and I'm going to start with they've always been a family, but I think they've been revitalized as a family in recent years, and that is the Shazam family. Uh, oh, started yes. out. Yeah. Is this your number one or your number three? This is my number three. This is my number three. Your number so three. My, right. So my no- other two are going to be really good. But uh, my number three is Shazam. Started out with. 
Shazam himself uh, used to be called Captain Marvel. Used to have brother and sister. Now Shazam. He and, even had an uncle Shazam, he didn't uncle, he? he I, uncle, I remember that from Crisis. I was like, "Are you serious?" Like they're they're bringing him in like a flying wheelchair. Right. He's like balding. I wa- I'm like, did this really happen? I wasn't a huge fan of that version of the Shazam family, <laughs> but the stuff that Jeff Johns has done in the modern time, where he basically has. Shazam's power is split between Billy Batson and all his uh, foster siblings, I think mm-hmm. is awesome. It's a sweet idea. It's cool. If you're a kid, and really Shazam is a story about a kid living his best wish fulfillment. He gets to be a superhero. What's cooler Have than- Have you had a chance to watch the Shazam movie yet? Not yet. Not yet. Oh, you need to do I that, know I do. Man. I know I do. I, I, well, again, once I get quarantined, I'll have plenty of time to do all of this stuff. Um, but- just getting back to the Shazam comic first, I, I think the only thing that's cooler than getting superpowers and getting to be a superhero for your kid is getting to share them with all your friends. So to me, that's one of the best uses of the family concept. It makes sense. It's baked into the idea. And it's just, it's cool. It doesn't feel forced at all. And going back to my point from the previous segment, none of the Shazam family members are identical. They all have Mm -hmm. their own personalities. They use their powers differently. They look differently. So to me, man, I I may have underranked them at number three. that's a good way of doing it. Yeah, I may have underranked Uh, them at number three. If I had superpowers and I had the ability to share them, I would not. I would keep all of them for myself. Yeah, that tracks. 100%. That tracks. (laughs) All right, who's your number two? My number two, I'm going to jump over to Marvel and go a little bit more outside the box, but a family that I really, really like is actually the Captain America family. Um, And what I mean there is I like the fact that there's a bunch of different... Yeah, try and sell me on (laughs) this one here. I think it's really cool that there's a bunch of different characters who have had the mantle of being Captain America. You've got Steve Rogers, obviously, but you've also Uh got Bucky Barnes. You've got Sam Wilson. These guys all have claimed to being uh, Captain America. And I would argue this way, whereas Shazam family is more of a traditional family, some of the other families we'll get to are more of traditional families. This is really like three brothers who like to hang out and kind of help each other out. And I think that's really cool. That was going to be my my question. I feel like with Captain America, I I, I feel like they're, they're normally not all Captain America at the same time, or, or they don't... Uh, outside of maybe the MCU, I guess, recently, and, and, and correct me if you know there's some comic canon that's a little bit differently, but I feel like it's usually one of them is sort of center stage at any one time. Absolutely. No, that's not wrong, and I feel like they kind of trade out who is Captain America, and it does uh-huh. normally go back to Steve Rogers, but that doesn't erase kind of that feeling of brotherhood, that idea that Steve has these support characters who are more than just sidekicks. These are his brothers in arms. These are guys he can count on, that he can relate to. So just the idea that Captain America is not out there on his own. He does have something to do. I admit, this one is a bit of a stretch. It's a little bit non-traditional, but I just love that idea that the Captain America mantle is not just one man. It's an idea that's shared across multiple people. And I do, when I think of those people, think of them as brothers. So I do define them as a family. What about, what about, am I beginning his name wrong, but I feel like he, he, he popped up in uh, Marvel Rising on Disney Plus, but, it, but like Patriot Lad or something Patriot. like that? Yeah, is, the is, Patriot. I mean, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of younger characters as well. You can go to uh-huh. another, another generation. You've got Patriot. You've got even more obscure characters like Jack Flag or Free Spirit. It if you want to dig mm. really deep. And of course, you got uh, the black sheep of the family, U.S. agent. Um, so there's <laughs> lots of different people to draw in. But really, it's that core nucleus of Sam, Bucky, and Steve that uh, that kind of sells me. With Sharon uh, also as kind of their uh, the 
the mom. Oh, of you the can't group. leave out Sharon yeah, Carter. Yeah, Come on. Sharon Carter as kind of the the mom slash sister of the group also works really well. So I it might not be it might not be what you initially think of as a family, but I think they're a great family. All right, and who's your number one here? I, b- I bet I can probably I guess. think you could probably figure it out. I don't think there's any question. And this is the thing. When I was thinking about this, I was like, this doesn't make sense, but it works so well. You've already talked about them a bunch of times, and that is the Bat Family. I think mm-hmm. the Bat Family is head and shoulders the coolest family in comics. And the reason I say it doesn't work is because Batman's supposed to be this dark, brooding loner who does everything on his own, right? But the introduction of Robin back in the Golden Age kicked the tires on Batman and made it an even better comic. And when you bring in the older son, Nightwing, the rebellious son, Red Hood, uh, Tim Drake, who's kind of the overachieving son, and then you've got Damien, but then you also stretch it out to Batwoman, Batgirl, Huntress, uh, Oracle when she's being Oracle, and all these different characters. The idea of Batman's crusade inspiring this fleet of people who see each other as a non-traditional family and the fact that they support each other in the face of overwhelming tragedy and adversity, you got to love that. All right. So for me, uh, I'm going to put down here at number three, I'm going to put the Green Lantern Corps. Um, I think that more than any other sort of property, both in DC and Marvel, I think that they have the perfect concept and the perfect setup to constantly have new heroes coming in and and sort of keep them there and just have this stable of of again they're they're space cops right but normally you have to come up with some you know reason or some way that like you're passing on the mantle to someone and the green lantern corps just has sort of the perfect excuse and i don't think you ever question someone new coming in and then sticking around right you still have hal jordan who's around as like this this legacy you know the first you know uh uh um human green lantern you have john stewart now who's the leader of the corps as a whole guy gardner still shows up uh, uh rainer still shows up of course kilowog's there and you always have you know reading through the green lanterns it was cool to see them teaming up here and there and see sort of how they perceive these sort of legacy legendary characters and it's Growing up, I don't think Green Lantern was ever uh, a, a character that I really sort of associated with or thought was that cool. But especially after reading, uh, again, uh, Simon Boz and Jessica Cruz's runs, they are one of my favorite stories and series within the DC Universe now. Once you have some free time, Robbie, um, again, quarantine, but once you have some free time, um, we really, after we get a little into the Rebirth Challenge, we got to get you back on some classic Jeff Johns Green Lantern because... If you like this stuff, I think you're going to love that stuff as well. He he actually uh, he had he was the one who started writing the Green Lanterns, wasn't he? He started he started the idea of these multiple Green Lanterns. He introduced Simon Boz and Jessica Cruz. But yes, he, yep, that's what I thought. He started mm-hmm. writing Green Lantern back in like 2004 and had like a 10 year run on the book, and it's it's where all the stuff that's cool about Green Lantern, not all of it because some of it tracks back much further, but a lot of what's neat about Green Lantern and a lot of the great characters come from that Jeff Johns era and I, I think you would just eat it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, for number two, I'm going to agree with your number one. I think that the Bat Family was sort of the first one to really encompass and, and in sort of like a mainstream way you know, it's the only family that people actually refer to as the family, you know. Uh, obviously, I think the de- death in the family was sort of probably probably the thing that really helped immortalize that for people. Um, but I don't think that you can discount the Bat family when, when talking about the team-ups and whatnot. But for the number one, my Marvel fanboy here is going to shine through. And I'm going to say that I think my favorite 
example of family within the comic book world has got to be the X-Men. Mm. The X-Men just overall, I mean, they, they, they even get past that cliche of everyone having to have the same power. You know, the X-Gene. Uh, I remember from the VHS of Attack of the Sentinels from the, the, the 90s animated X-Men series uh, at the end. Or maybe it was at the beginning. I can't remember. But, but there was like a small little interview of like the creation of the X-Men and having Stanley there and, you know, talking about the fact that not everybody can get bitten by a radioactive spider or, you know, fall into, to, to, you know, gamma radiation and whatnot. You know, he's like, what if people were just born with their powers, right? And it, as easily as that, the X-Men were created. And, I mean, I don't think you can find an X-Men comic that isn't in some way, shape, or form about family. No, it wasn't on my list. You know, I love the X-Men. I wasn't thinking of them for this because I was trying to think... You know, similar powers, similar identities. Well, I wasn't thinking of Captain America. That was not a left field one, too. <laughs> if we're counting X-Men, then X-Men's on my list as well. It is not only about the family you're born into, it's about the family you find along that's the right. way. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the beauty of X-Men is here are these people who are kind of out there in the world on their own, dealing with being different, dealing with being marginalized, and they get strength out of each other. I think that's a great pick. Yeah, I agree. It was a great pick. That's why I picked it. All right, guys, that's going to be it for The Other Identity today. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'd love to know if you need a reason to reach out to us on social media, which I've been asking to do, this is it. Who are some of your favorite teams or some of your favorite families within comics? Let us know at Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter. That's going to be it for us today, guys. So until next time, tune in the same Other Identity channel, the same Other Identity time. Thank you.